Oh my gosh, I am feeling such a mixture of feelings being with you all this Sunday. The welcome to the new year. It feels like such an honor and privilege to be entering 2023 together with this community. I just feel so lovingly connected to each of you. And uh, oh my gosh, that second song that Brandon did this morning just absolutely wrecked me. So if you've already cried once this morning, welcome. You're in good company. Uh, we're missing Harmon. We're just thinking about all of the parts of the story of our community that have come together to lead us to this Sunday that we're entering this new year. Uh, and it's just, yeah, I'm really glad to be present with you all. Um, so today in the life of the church, we're entering a season called Epiphany. So this word means like the sudden appearance of something hidden that's now made visible or a mystery being revealed. And our text for today invites us to listen to Paul's understanding of the mystery of God made visible in Jesus. So this mystery of who God really is and how God actually relates to us. This is the epiphany that Paul speaks about having had on the road to Damascus. And so we're going to be invited to enter that story with Paul as we engage today the mystery of God. So as we begin, let's maybe start out by noticing this really delightful feeling we tend to relish when we start a suspenseful movie or pick up a mystery novel. And so the Greek root of this word, mystery, is mueo or mayin. It gives us the sense of something previously closed or shut. And then suddenly there's an epiphany, and what was previously hidden is revealed. So let's just notice what that feels like to be on that journey. To help us enter this experience bodily together this morning, uh, I want to offer you an illustration. So. The artist, Anne Hamilton, she creates these large-scale art installations like this one in Venice. She titled this one, Mayin, Mystery. And I'd like to invite you to take with me a collective, slow in-breath. Let's just inhale together. And then slowly exhale. And then one more inhale together. And now imagine yourself stepping into this scene. As you walk up, the first sight you see is a Jeffersonian building. And there's a dark wooden table at the front of the entrance. And atop the table, you see a dense surface of white cloth. The cloth is tied in these fist-sized knots. This practice is one of the earliest forms of record keeping or tracking the passing of time. Now, as you step inside the rotunda, you see symmetrical wings on either side to your right and your left. And looking down on the floor, you see a Cartesian grid which maps the exterior of the pavilion. And you choose left. So you enter one of the wings a barely audible voice recites poetry along with Abraham Lincoln's second inaugural address in phonetic code. You're standing now in a rectangular room with four white walls 
and a cascade of dark fuchsia pigment seeps from the ceiling, and as the crimson powder falls, it catches on raised bumps along the white wall. It's a manuscript in Braille, a Charles Reznikoff poem titled Testimony of the United States. It's a rendition of court cases from 1885 to 1915 involving acts of violence. In the words of the artist, in this installation, the braille text on the walls stands for everything that we don't know. It makes present the things we can't see. My voice whispers the Reznikoff poem, so you're never quite sure if you heard the right words. The word mayin is an ancient Greek verb meaning to close the eyes or mouth. And across time, mayin has come to stand for that which has not been or cannot be explained. I created this installation as a meditation and a lamentation on those aspects of American social history that are present and pervasive in effect, but which remain invisible or unspoken. So let's notice that Hamilton's art is an epiphany of sorts. It's designed to make visible the reality of violence in the US, particularly violence against black and brown bodies, which is often shrouded in mystery. And let's notice that the revealing then of that mystery, the epiphany, is what makes it possible for us to be led out of that violence and into goodness. So this is the main idea I wanted to hold out for us to consider this morning, that engaging mystery can lead us to profound goodness if we can tolerate the tension we feel when standing before something that we don't immediately perceive. This is the wisdom I'm inviting us to hold in mind as we listen to Paul's words here in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5, where we read this. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to humankind as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become fellow heirs, members of the same body, and sharers in the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. So before we look at this text, I want to offer us a little background on Paul, because for many of us, and for me, for much of my Christian life, Paul has been a controversial figure. <laughs> Paul wrote and said a lot of things. Uh, his, he founded several Christian communities throughout Asia Minor and Europe in the first century, and Paul's words have been misconstrued to suggest a lot of things about how wives should be, how pastors should operate. Paul used and even invented some really obscure Greek idioms that have been misappropriated to scapegoat the queer community. So let's just notice all of those things. And here's what I want to invite us to understand about Paul. Paul was not a psychologist. He was not a marriage therapist. He was not even a pastor, like not in the slightest. 
Paul was some like more along the lines of an advice columnist. Like he was answering whatever question was being asked of him and often barely able to disguise his irritation at having been asked the question <laughs> because he was not an expert on gender or sexuality or family systems. Paul really only knew one thing, one key mystery that had been revealed to him. And that one mystery transformed his entire sense of his priorities. And this is the mystery. We are one body. Everybody belongs. And God is trustworthy. This is the heart of the mystery of God, which transformed Paul's entire life. As the story is recorded, Paul encounters Jesus in the body on the road to Damascus a few years after Jesus' death. And you heard that correctly, a few years after Jesus' death. Paul is said to have encountered him at a time when Paul's priority in life was torturing and killing Jesus' early followers. And then his bodily encounter with Jesus radically changes Paul from the inside out. So we're going to look at that more closely this morning. But what I want to say here is everything Paul wrote and taught and spoke about after that was in service of getting this singular message out as widely as possible, as quickly as possible. And Paul was also trying to avoid prematurely being put to death himself. <laughs> and this was Paul's message. We are one body. Everyone belongs, and God is trustworthy. So the mystery that we're one body is signaled here in Paul's suggestion that Gentiles, those of us who are not of Jewish descent, are now included in the body of God's community. And that's the good news. According to Paul, that's it. That's the gospel. All bodies matter. And Paul says, this is the epiphany which Jesus came to reveal. It's this. This is the mystery of God made known now to humankind. All bodies matter. Female, Gentile, trans, queer, differently abled, neurodivergent, single parents, new language learners, refugees, the impoverished, the young, the wizened. All of us are members of one body because we are members of humankind sharing a single humanity. So perhaps a question for us to reflect on is this, when have you felt your small body to be part of a larger body? And how did you engage that phenomenon, that mystery? What did it feel like? What did you notice? And as you're thinking about that, I'll share with you something that comes to mind for me. Uh, I had a recent experience that um, I'm still processing. It was just, it was so profound. Um, so Conspirari, some of you might be familiar. Anyone ever been to a Conspirari performance? Yes, wonderful. Okay. I had heard uh, people come back from Conspirari events, and I, they, they spoke of it like in whispers. <laughs> like I had this sense that people are having a very rare, unique experience at these performances, but I didn't fully understand it until last month when I went to one for myself, and I was like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> 
Um, so I, I want to sort of set the scene for you. Entering this space was something of a mystery itself. There were Austinites of all ages and backgrounds. I rode the elevator up with three elderly ladies. <laughs> when I got there, I was saving seats for some friends, so I sat down and looked around the room, and I noticed how many different kinds of bodies were there. And then the music started, and we were slowly collectively, gently guided into breathing together and singing together and moving together. And we were gathered into one body and it was breathtaking. And that night left me feeling intimately connected with my neighbors and with other Austinites during the holiday season. And I'll share more about Conspirari in a moment, but um, I just want to invite you to notice when you've ever had an experience like that. And perhaps you might even sometimes feel that way here at Vox. Maybe when we're singing together and Brandon's making us cry, or we're praying together, or taking Eucharist together. And I, I want to invite you even right now to just kind of look around the room. Just go ahead, like take a moment, kind of look around the room at the different kinds of bodies that are here. And also as you do that, uh, notice whose body is missing, whose body might be underrepresented here in this room. And what does it feel like to be here in your smaller body and also part of this larger body we're creating together? Maybe it feels wonderful and you just feel like so at home, or maybe it feels a little strange and you're still like not quite sure where you belong and all of that is welcome, all of that's part of the process, but being here together, like this is the gift of the mystery of God, which Paul is desperate for us to understand. So uh, Paul goes on to say this, of this gospel, I have become a servant according to the gift of God's grace that was given to me by the working of his power. And although I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the boundless riches of Christ and to make everyone see what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church, the wisdom of God in its rich variety might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So this is the second aspect of the mystery of God, which Paul became so persuaded by, it transformed his entire sense of his priorities in life. Everyone belongs. Every body belongs. And the rich diversity in the body of Christ is by design. It's intentional. Or to put it another way, it's not a bug, it's a feature. So as we attend to our commonalities, our similarities, we're also invited by God to celebrate what makes us unique. And by virtue of that awareness then, to grieve and lament when any part of the body is diminished or dismembered or damaged or deprived of belonging and of goodness. 
So keeping that in mind, uh, I want to share with you, Alicia Lee is a nationally recognized choral director, and she composed an original song called Say Her Name. Maybe some of you have heard it. It's a call to action to confront and eliminate brutality against black and brown bodies. In Lee's words, when we learn the name of someone whose life was taken, we're prompted to learn their story. And if we learn their story, then we have a broader sense of how vulnerable racialized bodies are here in the US. And Conspirari performed a moving rendition of this song that I want to share with you. But before we engage the mystery and epiphany of this experience, I want to just invite us to take another slow inhale together. And slowly exhale. And now one more inhale. And let's take a listen. Embodied lament is an important response to the racial trauma of the US reflected in the loss of black and brown bodies daily. And until everything that remains hidden about racial trauma in the US is revealed and reckoned with, we will continue to miss out on the goodness we could be embodying together. And this is the mystery of God. This is part of what Paul is desperate for us to understand and engage. All bodies matter. Everybody belongs. So let's look now as Paul wraps up by saying this. This was in accordance with the eternal purpose that God has carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have access in boldness and confidence through faith in him. So this is the third aspect of the mystery of God, which Paul became so persuaded by. It transformed his entire sense of himself and his purpose in life. 
God is trustworthy. This is the heart of the mystery of God, which Paul says was previously hidden and then revealed in Jesus. We can approach God with our lament, with our grief, with our pain, with our regrets, with our confessions, with our hopes. We can approach God in boldness and confidence because God can be trusted. So what do we imagine may have been the core of the epiphany which Paul had on the road to Damascus when he encountered Jesus that so persuaded him of this? I think it was this. Jesus was nonviolent, non-punishing, entirely forgiving. Whereas Paul had not been any of those things. Previous to this encounter with Jesus, Paul had been torturing, inflicting violence, stoning to death the followers of Jesus, and justifying it, saying this is what God wants. And then as the story goes, Paul meets Jesus bodily and discovers something profound. A mystery is revealed. Jesus is exactly as his followers had described Nonviolent, non punishing, entirely forgiving, even of Paul, even of the worst, most violent offenses. And from then on, for the rest of Paul's life, his priority was one thing this one key mystery of God. And about this one thing, he was entirely persuaded we are one body, everybody belongs, and God is trustworthy. So I'll invite us to wrap up our reflection on the mystery of God with this. Over the course of our journey together as a Vox community, there are six core values that have surfaced, and mystery is one of them. So here's how our Vox value of mystery reads. In ancient times, people chased after the mystery of God in a pillar of cloud by day, and by night, a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. As a community, we lean into the mystery of Christ, leading us on both our bright days and in our darkest hours. This type of faith involves doubt and uncertainty and learning to trust in the one whose name is truth and love. So we invite you to become a people of healthy faith, learning to trust what we hope for and cannot see. So as we enter the year 2023 together, perhaps we might find it meaningful to reflect on times we have felt ourselves to be part of a larger body, a people of healthy faith, learning to trust for what we hope for and confident of what we cannot yet see. And may we reflect also on times we have experienced our smaller bodies to equally matter. And with that epiphany, may we consider how we as a Vox community may continue to engage the realities of racial trauma, racial exclusion here in the U.S. and in East Austin, 
so that the mystery of God's profound trustworthiness could be made visible and embodied in us and through us. Please pray with me. God of gentle truth, help us to love the tension of the holy mystery of your body. Grow our trust in your forgiveness, both of the harms our bodies have committed and the harms committed against us. And may we receive your invitation to belong, to breathe, and to move as unique individuals and members of your one body. In the name of your holy mystery revealed in the epiphany of the body of Christ. Amen.